Well, can I share something? In fact, not share, but, but John, you and John Michael, I need to ask you something, if that's okay, here in front of God and everybody. It's been bugging me since yesterday when I first saw this video. Um, the Flash costumes. So those were costumes, right? There's no secrets. Those are, okay, did you pick those out, John? Okay, John Michael, do you still have yours? Because you were, what, like seven, eight, nine, maybe? I would like to borrow your costume, John Michael. I think it would fit me. That would be good for this, this coming Halloween season. Is that good? Okay, all right. I, just, I had to get that off my chest. Um, I want to invite you to read along with me, if you would, Psalm 23, as we start our time here, uh, really turning into God's Word together. Uh, psalm 23 will be on the screen. I invite you just to follow along with me. This is a great psalm of comfort, a psalm of David. It reads like this. The Lord, Lord all caps is the word Yahweh. This is God's holy name, amen. So Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul writes some words that I think will be of a great comfort to you, family, and the friends that have gathered here today. And look, just look around for a moment. Look how many folks have come out to remember and to celebrate, to honor the life of Heather. John, that's a lot of folks, buddy. It's a lot of folks. Speaks to who she was. Amen? And so the Apostle Paul writes some words here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm told that this was a favorite passage of Heather's even. And so I think it's fitting for us to take a, a little bit of time this morning to look at this. The setting of this chapter comes, and in, in really the whole letter of 1 Thessalonians comes, because there had been some people who had passed away. They had died. And those who were still living, their loved ones, their parents, their sisters, their, their nieces and nephews and their aunts and their uncles, their friends, wondered, were these people who had now died before Jesus returned, were they going to miss out on the promise of the Messiah? Were they going to miss out on the blessings of the return of Christ? And so the Apostle Paul writes in verse 13, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Now the Bible speaks of sleep when Christians die. That's a good thing. Amen. Because we're not really asleep. Our body, I mean, we're not really dead. Our body is gone, but the soul lives on. So he says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as the rest do who have no hope. And the key word in that passage is the word hope. And I hope that you have hope today. I pray that if you do not, that you will listen intently today to the words of the Lord and that you will find hope today in Jesus Christ. Amen? We grieve differently from the world. That's what the Apostle Paul says. We do not grieve like the rest. Christians, we grieve. And I know there are some bad theologies out there. I call them wonky theologies a lot of times on, at church on Sunday mornings here. But there are some bad theologies that tell us that when we come to Jesus, that all of our problems go away. How many of you have heard that before? You've probably heard that. And you know, Christian, if you're still living and breathing here today, that that simply is not the case. Amen? In fact, I think we're more keenly aware of the problems that we have when we do know Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
before Jesus and apart for Jesus, we have no context. We don't know what true goodness is. We don't really know what happiness is, joy, what it is until we come to Christ. But hope, hope is a precious thing. And the Bible says something else about something that is precious. In fact, in Psalm 116, verse 15, the Bible says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now, I know that there's some more walkie theology, if you will, that teaches that you have to perform three miracles and there has to be a voting of some committee somewhere, right? In Vatican City, perhaps, hen, 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 that says that once you've performed three miracles, then you become a saint. But folks, that is not what the Bible says a saint is. The Bible says that a saint is anyone who is in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, you read throughout Paul's epistles, he writes to the saints in Thessalonica, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Colossae. Christians today, we are saints of the Lord God. And not because there's so much good about us, but because of Jesus, whom we know and serve. Amen? It's all about Jesus. And so precious. And so the death of a saint, again, that's a Christian, a person set apart for the Lord, precious, precious. Now, I want to tell you just a couple of reasons here today in the four hours that Corey has given me to share with you today. That's a joke. None of y'all laugh. That's, I'm not going to speak for four hours here today. I could, but I promise you I will not. But just a few things I want to share with you about the preciousness of the saint who goes to be with Jesus. First of all, the person who died is a child of God. And this person today is Miss Heather. And you gather here today because of Miss Heather. And I want you to know that she's precious. And, and you probably are thinking, well, pastor, we know that she's precious. That's why we're here, right? But she was not just precious to you. She wasn't just a precious wife and mother and aunt and um, sister. Thank you. Friend daughter. She wasn't just a precious one to us. The Bible says that she's precious because of who she is in Christ. She was a child of God. And not only that, but something I think is even more important for us to remember is that not only was she a child of God, but she still is a child of God. She was and she is today still. She did not stop becoming or being a child of God at her death when she decided and acted upon her own life. Now, folks, that's a tragic thing, and you know that very well here today. This dear family, I don't have words to explain that to you, but I know where hope lies, and it's in Jesus Christ. Amen? Miss Joby, you know that. It is in Christ Jesus the Lord. And so no matter how we separate from this life, God is still God, and God is still good, and there are still things for us to say about it. Amen? And so the person, Miss Heather, who passed away, passed away as a child of God. Well, some of you may say, does the fact that she took her own life negate the ideal that she was a child of God? The answer is absolutely not. That is a very, very wonky theology. It's false theology. And I know many people think that. They've heard it wrongly. They've seen it on YouTube or, or some Instagram post or some Netflix series. But it is not the case at all. Nothing can separate a child of God from the Father. Amen? Because of Jesus Christ. 
Doesn't the person, though, who take their own life, don't they sin in such a way that it's unforgivable? Because after all, they can't ask for forgiveness in that moment. But praise God that that is not important in that moment. Now hear me and hear the rest of what I say today so that you understand those words that I just spoke. The Bible's answer is a resounding no. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen? And I pray that if you don't know that, that you'll dive into God's Word and you will see those words for yourself. But let me share a few places with you here for a few moments. In John chapter 1, for instance, in verse 12 and verse 13, the Bible says this, As many as received Him, meaning Jesus Christ the Lord, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of the will, uh, not of the blood or the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, does this describe Heather? Had she been born of God? Had she been born again and born from on high? The answer is, family, yes, that makes her a child of God in time and in eternity. Amen? She was and she is a child of God. And so this describes her so we can rest surely in the fact that not only was she born of God, but she's still born of God today in glory. John chapter 10, verses 29 through 27 Jesus says these words. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I, have, uh, I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. Now, let me just repeat that, that phrase again. And they will, say it with me, never perish. That's what God's word says. Jesus himself says it. He continues, And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let me ask you a question. Are you a no one? Let me ask it another way. Are you someone? Yes. So in this context, guess what that makes you? No one. You and I cannot even snatch ourselves from the hands of God. Verse 29, Jesus said, My Father has given them to me, and He is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So if you are a Christian, as Heather was a Christian, Jesus holds her, and not only does Jesus hold her, but His Father holds her as well. Therefore, she cannot be lost. Therefore, you and I can't snatch her out of God's hand, and neither could she snatch herself out of God's hand. Folks, that's assuring. That gives me hope. Amen? That gives me comfort that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please hold on to those words. And not just today, but tomorrow and next month and, and next year. Next year. I think right now, many of you, even though it's been a month now, I think many of you family are likely still a little numb in some ways. It's going to hit you. It's going to hit you hard. And you need one another. This is not a time to isolate. It's not a time to close the door to your friends and to silence. Do not disturb, Corey, right, on your phone. She's always turning hers on. She's like, I don't know what happened. But this is not a time for that. This is a time for family and for friends. And so friends and family, you're here today. What a great thing that you, you have done in coming to provide support. Amen? Amen, family? But next week and next month, John and John Michael and Joby and the rest of the family, they're going to need you ever bit as much as they need you today. So please don't forget that. That's our part to share as Christians, as friends and family. Amen? So the person who died, Miss Heather, a child of God. And just notice one more thing. In verse 28, where Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Can I just re-emphasize two words? Eternal and never. 
I think we forget those words sometimes. We've developed theologies in various denominations of Christendom to give us a little more credit than we give God. And I don't know that we do that intentionally. And I don't know that we even realize that all of the time. But think for a moment. Did any of you here who are Christians save yourself? The answer is a massive no. Amen? We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 if you're interested. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. So since we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, there is nothing that we do. In fact, John tells us that even our repentance unto God is a gift from God. That itself is a gift. And so if God gives us a gift, is he going to take it from us? Now I want you to answer here. I know people, preachers ask rhetorical questions a lot, but help me out here. Is God going to give you the gift of eternal life and then change his mind and give you temporary life? No. What kind of God would do that? A false God. A God of our own imagination. We believe in the true God, amen? The biblical God. And that's why we have hope, John. That's why we have hope. Heather belonged to Jesus living. She belongs to Jesus still living. Eternal life is just that eternal. You remember the Energizer Bunny commercials? I loved those things when I was young. You remember the still going? How many of you remember that? Still going? Okay, thank you. I, you can participate. That's okay. That'll help you stay awake, actually. So please, please participate. So still going, the commercial says. You know how long eternal life is? It's longer than that. It's still going and going and going. It starts here and now, not upon our death, but it starts here and now, the moment we receive Christ as Savior, as Lord, the moment we repent and trust Jesus. Amen, Brent? Isn't that right? And it continues throughout eternity. And that's what Heather is experiencing now. And we know that because the price that was paid for her life, that was nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus took on flesh, the Bible tells us. Eternal God took on flesh so that he could die and pay the price for our sins. That's what our God has done for us. Praise God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter writes this. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. Now, I wouldn't, you know, turn away any silver or gold, right? But they're perishable. You can't take them with you. That's the point. So he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Folks, I don't know if you've ever paid attention or not, but there are a lot of buts in the Bible. Thank you. B-U-T. Okay, John Michael, B-U-T. Those buts are there for a reason. And I want to implore you, if you've been having trouble reading the Bible and finding comfort, look for the buts in the Bible because they will show you something glorious. They will. There's something bad before them. Like I was dead in the trespasses, in my transgressions and in my sin, but God made me alive through Christ Jesus. And there are dozens of those things throughout Scripture. And so I love, I love this we were not in, it, 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 um, saved. We were not uh, redeemed. That's what it means to be saved, to be purchased from the slave market of sin, to be redeemed, right? So we weren't redeemed by anything that we've done. Heather wasn't redeemed by the way she ran. She wasn't redeemed by her, her love of her family or Paris in France and all things French, right? She was redeemed by the precious blood as of a lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, amen? 
And so that was the price that was paid. Can, can there be a higher price than the blood of Jesus? The answer is, Christians, no, no, absolutely not. And so since this high price has been paid for her, we know that it stuck for her. Now, if you would allow me, Corey has asked me just to, to share a few things about what happened with Heather. And I wasn't there, and, and John, John Michael, I, I don't presume to know all things, and what I do know is limited to Scripture. That's it. But let me speak just for a moment about suicide. So I want you to pay attention. This isn't something that just happens out there, as you're well aware of today. It happens here, and it happens even in the church of God. It happens even amongst Christians. Sadly, absolutely, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. And that's the first thing I want you to realize, that it is horrible. And it's horrible not just for what happened to Heather, but it's horrible for those who are still here. Can't imagine, John. John Michael, I can't fathom. Miss Joby, Corey, you guys, I, I can't imagine. Well, it's hardly, I, 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 I can't fathom this. But I know that God knows all things and that He is a God of comfort and grace. Amen? But it is a horrible thing. Those of you who have been left behind, you have experienced a plethora, a lot of emotions. The tears come. They're replaced by laughter momentarily. The tears come again. You see these pictures. You laugh. Flash costumes. I mean, come on. That's good stuff. And then another picture triggers a memory and you weep and you mourn. And that's okay. There's another wonky theological ideal out there that says that Christians are supposed to be happy all the time. How are you in a situation like this? I don't think you're happy right now. Totally, at least. It's okay for Christians to mourn. The Bible speaks of that over and over and over again. And if you don't believe me, just open up to the book of Psalms and you will find so many. Maybe half of the Psalms are mourning Psalms. They're about mourning. Here's what I love about the Psalms, though. They don't just tell us the problems like suicide, like the attack of many enemies, like people talking bad about us, as if that even contends to something like this, right? It tells us those things, and the psalmists are able, like King David or whoever it may have been that wrote some of the other psalms, they're able to lament and to mourn and to grieve and to question God, why God? How long will I suffer? And you see those things because those are natural responses for people who are alive. You've been made with emotions, and these emotions come because of tragedy. Or joyous things too, but here, tragedy. And so we question, why God? How long do we have to suffer? Am I going to remember this horrible thing forever? And then I love these psalms of lament because what you find is, but, you always find that word again, B-U-T. But I have trusted in my God. But I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not in the psalms, but I have hope in Yahweh. That's what you find there. That but is always there. And, and, and here's why that we as Christians don't have to mourn like those who... Do not know Jesus because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So suicide is horrible. It brings these questions of why, what if, how long, what could I have done? Those are right and natural and normal. Although the answer isn't really going to come to us in, 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 in posing the question that way. All these different emotions come and, and now life has changed. Family, life has changed for you. It'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. But that's true anytime we lose someone, isn't it? Here, we are left longing. Here, we are left wondering and wanting. 
And let me just say one more thing that's, that's difficult, but I think necessary. Suicide, the taking of one's own life, is ungodly. Now, I don't mean that to be harsh, but the Bible tells us that, that murder is sin. Amen? And suicide is nothing but self-murder. I'm not saying this to be cold and, and to be unloving and unfeeling right now, but I think that this is the opportunity for us to be reassured of what God says. But even this sin is not the unpardonable and unforgivable sin. God's grace is sufficient. He fills in the gaps when we can't do so ourselves. Amen? And folks, there's hope there. There's comfort there. Job tells us, you know, if you remember Job, when I was a kid, I used to think it was the book of Job. I'm like, I don't want a job. I'm like 11, right? But Job, J-O-B, spelled the same. Don't know why it's pronounced different, but it is. But Job tells us that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? We sing songs about it. Matt Redman wrote a song about it. We sing it in our church here oftentimes. But it's true. It's for the Lord to decide. It's for the Lord to decide the timing. And our life is truly in His hands. And so the sin comes in when we shortchange God's timing. When we self-murder. Suicide happens for a myriad of, of what we'll call top-tier reasons. But there are two major things that happen. And I think it's important for us to remember these things so that we can help other people who are in need. So if you will, the first one is this, the eternal pressures of life, excuse me, the external pressures of life, job loss, finances, you're in debt up to, you know, here and out there and you just, I mean, whatever it might be, but external pressures, pressures oftentimes lead to someone making an attempt or taking their own life. The other, and what I think is more applicable here, and again, this is just me, but it's that internal pressure. It's the internal pressure. Now, if you knew Heather, you knew how healthy she, she was and strived to be. And you may have known about her struggles. She battled for years OCD. Isn't that right, Ms. Joby? Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, my dad suffered a little bit of that, and we used to pick on him. That's not a good Christian thing to do. Okay, let me just throw that out there. I was not a Christian then, but he would always come through the, the, the house growing up, and, and there was a cookie jar that my mom kept on the corner of the counter, and every time he walked by, he would have to adjust it just a certain way. And so what do kids do? John Michael, this is what we did. We would push it back just a little or pull it to the edge just a little, and guess what he would do? Every time or next time he'd come by, he would have to adjust it. My brother-in-law, when he was dating my sister, uh, Corey uh, Hart, y'all know Hart, uh, it's a great name, right? Hart. But Hart would come over and he noticed after he took his cowboy boots off the first time, he left them cattywampus. Now, if you're not from the South, cattywampus means they're not right, okay? And so he would leave them, you know, the wrong side. Well, he would leave them wrong. I don't know how else to describe it. But if you can't follow that, um, I don't know how to help you. But he would leave them crisscrossed. And so my dad then after seeing them would always straighten them up. Left, left boot on the left side, right boot on the right side. And so when Hart noticed that, what would he do? He would go and he would rearrange them every time, intentionally messing with him. Now we laugh, that seems funny because those are trivial things. But obsessive compulsive disorder is not a trivial thing in reality. It's not. And then when you add that, this internal pressure with Heather wanting to be healthy and to feel whole, I think that this was the straw 
perhaps for Heather. And again, I'm not omniscient and I can't say, but I want you to consider this. She tried to take herself off of her medication. Now, if you're like Heather, and, and I'm the same way, I don't particularly like taking medication. It has its place. I'm not saying that. I'm not a medical doctor, right? I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last week, but that's beside the point. None of y'all got that joke either. Wow, all right. I need some new material, I guess. But she tried to take herself off of Prozac. And if you're familiar with this, or if you're not familiar, Prozac is a doctor-prescribed SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, commonly used as an antidepressant, or to help in, in her case with obsessive compulsive tendencies. It's used off-label for some other things as well, but this was the primary reason. And so she tries to take herself off of this, and what happens is, and in fact, she did this without the doctor's knowledge, and I don't know if, probably without your knowledge as well, John. So sorry, brother. But this is a dangerous thing. I know my body, we say. I know more than those doctors. I mean, come on, they can't know everything. And you're right, they can't know everything, and they don't know everything. But we should never take it upon ourselves to stop taking these types of drugs in particular. There's a heavy toll that's paid in our blood system, with our nervous, our central nervous system, with our mind even. And I think that this is what very likely happened. She takes herself off without a doctor's knowledge and guidance. And again, otherwise healthy, vibrant, great physical shape. She loved doing things naturally. And so she stops taking this unnatural medication and I believe she suffered from Prozac rebound. Again, not a medical doctor, but the signs were there looking back now, right? Prozac rebound is a fancy term, a medical term for the abrupt stopping of antidepressants, which can lead to rebound depression in which symptoms return with a fierce intensity, more so than before. And I think that's very likely what happened. And I share that, and that's sad, right? That's sad, but I share that so that you see the state of mind. This was not the mind of someone in these moments who is at peace with herself, with her place, with, with perhaps even God in that moment. And so we may say, aha, she wasn't at peace with God. That says that she didn't know Jesus. And can I say, shame on you if you thought that. Because you presume to know more than the Bible says. Amen? How, 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 how be it that we should ever consider such things? Christ saves, and He saves soundly, He saves securely, He saves eternally. That does not mean that we do not suffer here and now. And Heather suffered here. Smiles? Yes. Silent suffering? Seems so. It seems so. Could you have stopped it? Please don't think those thoughts. There's no, there's, there's no help in asking, what could I have done? And in fact, uh, with, with Corey's permission, I, I, I should have asked you too, John, I'm sorry, but um, you know, when Corey says something, you got to do it, right? And so Brent knows that, right, Brent? All right. So uh, with Corey's permission, we, we made available a handout that's out in the foyer on the little high counter to the side where there's some pictures of Heather and the family. And this handout is from the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors fantastic group of pastors, theologians, and biblical counselors who they've put together this pamphlet about suicide, about recognizing the signs, right? 
about seeing those things and then about what we can do as friends and as family to help in those situations. Now, again, we're not saviors and I'm not trying to put you in the place of being the savior. There's only one savior. Amen. But we can help in these scenarios. And so this is available for you free of charge. It's out on the counter. Hopefully you will grab one of those on your way out. So let me, let me just begin to bring this home by saying this. Heather's mind was apparently not clear in her last days. Her mind was not clear. But that does not make Jesus any less capable. It doesn't make him any less saving. Amen? He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so hear this. Please hear this. Again, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Heather was, quote, not redeemed with perishable things, but with the everlasting, the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished, the spotless lamb of Jesus. Amen? And so her hope of, of new life in Christ was not just known at that time at Winfrey Baptist where she came to Jesus as her Savior, but it was known in the following days and it's known even more so today. What did Paul say in, in, in Philippians 1.21? To live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. It's gain. Now, is that an excuse to go to Jesus before your time? No, it's not. Again, don't be presumptuous and take life into your own hands. But to live is Jesus, but to die is gain because we're with Jesus. Amen? We've left behind the troubles and the sorrows of this life. And so we're with Jesus. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 uh, through 9, he says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, we, we are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. That's the immediate presence of Jesus. Amen? Not a holding tank. Not a sale that somebody's got to pray or buy, you know, some token to get you out of, but to be in the presence of the Lord. That's what Scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5 and following. And I love Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle John seeing this grandiose vision of what's coming. In fact, think about this for a moment. Heaven is real, obviously, not because someone supposedly died, went there and came back, but because God's Word says it's real. Amen? Amen? And so, heaven is real, but heaven is not done yet. Jesus said in John 14 that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, know that I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may also be. So heaven's not even finished yet. And so in, in Revelation chapter 21, the apostle John gets to see the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And he says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. And now, really pay attention here. This last verse we want to look at. Verse 4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more tear. There will no longer be any death. No more death. There will no longer be any mourning. It's part of the reason we're here, right? To mourn, but to mourn well. But there'll be no more of that. No more crying, no more pains, for the first things have passed away. It's going to be new. It's going to be new. And guys, Heather's experiencing some of that right now. It's the stuff that we just fathom and try to imagine 
from the words of the, of the holy book, right? She knows firsthand now some of this. And again, it's not even finished. When I was a kid, I used to like going, I grew up over off Bancroft Road and they were putting in the addition Hillbrook. Some of you may even live there or Pinemont. And uh, some of us as kids used to play in those construction sites and all when we were, we were younger, Stephen, some of you, right? But growing up, I used to love watching these houses being built. And we lived in a pretty modest house and there was a couple houses in Hillbrook that just looked, I mean, just magnormous to me. I mean, just enormous and ginormous. There you go, there's a better word. Just so big. And I was never a big fella, right? As you, you who know me, you, you'd realize that. But I would ride my bike over there and I would just sit and I would just watch as these things got constructed. And then not content to just watch after all the workers were gone, you know what I would do, John? I would climb, right? I'd go through all the nooks and crannies and get up to the highest point on the roof that I could. I was a wannabe ninja back then, you know, all those things. Stephen, you remember that full well too, right? But the biggest thing that we could fathom here, the biggest dwelling just doesn't compare with what is coming in glory. And Heather is knowing that in a way that we just can't even imagine, right? And so she's gone to this place. Her favorite place here may have been Paris, France. I saw all the French stuff out there. But her favorite place now, uncontested winter, glory, with Jesus, heaven. Amen? And I know that you may want her back here to go feel the sand, hear the waves again. Dress up like Flash and Mrs. Flash and Little Flash. I don't know what you called yourselves. You may want to experience all of those joys, all of those good times again. But folks, where she's at, there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying. She's in glory. And that's good. And that gives us comfort today, amen, to know that there is nothing, no, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, if you're interested. And so, dear family, we can and we do rejoice today. It's hard and there are some tears, but we rejoice today knowing that Heather was a child of God and that the promise that comes to the children of God is hers in reality right now. We believe this. Amen, Christians? So let me finish this passage that we started with and then we'll pray. 1 Thessalonians again, chapter 4, verse 14 says, and this is after he says, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. He says in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Some of y'all just aren't used to participatory preaching, I don't guess, right? Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Yes. Then, what is he going to say? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Folks, listen. Heather's first in our race here, right? She went before us. We won't precede her. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. She gets to be first. This is a race. This is an Ironman or one of those mud races, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. This is a race that she wins. She's won. The dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And I love verse 18. And a lot of times preachers stop with 17, but listen to verse, verse 18. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know how we talk about death and glory and a relationship with Christ and eternal life with Jesus in heaven? Because we can comfort one another with these words. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, I pray just that very end, comfort, Lord God, for this dear family, for John and John Michael, the rest of the family, mom and pop and brother, sister and son, nieces, nephews, all of this dear family, Lord God, I pray you give them comfort. I pray you give them a peace that surpasses understanding that can only be explained by you, Lord God. I pray that you'll help them to be joyous in the fact and the reality that someone who belongs to you always belongs to you, Lord God. That none of us can snatch one another or even ourselves out of your hand. So, Father, thank you for that promise that we see in Scripture. We thank you for Heather's life and for all of those many touches as we've all shared life together. I pray that this body gathered here today will remember this life, Heather's life. They'll remember those good times and they'll be warned by the difficulties of her life and her passing. And that, Father, we will not allow this to be in vain, but we will continue to praise you and to exalt you even in the storm, as we heard in the song earlier, and that we will use this for your glory and for the good of those around us. We ask these things in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you, family. I, I, I know now that, uh, Lee Bailey, you're going to start. Um, I know that Bailey's going to come and share a few memories, and, and a few others in the family have some things prepared now as well. So um, I, I just want to invite you, Bailey, come on. Come on. Uh, please use this microphone when you do speak. That way folks can hear, and it will be on the recording for the family as well. Um, so, so, Bailey.